This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Inner Source Healing Podcast, the program dedicated to helping you heal from toxic abuse. My name is Deborah Ashway, and I'm a licensed clinical mental health therapist and a licensed clinical addiction specialist. But more than that, I'm someone who's been where you are now and has experienced the devastating effects of toxic abuse. It's been a long journey through the path of healing, but I'm here to share with you the insights and the tools that I've gathered along the way. In this podcast, we'll explore the common symptoms that result from experiences with toxic abuse, such as depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, and feeling trapped. We'll also delve into the various techniques used by individuals with toxic and manipulative behaviors. But most importantly, I'll provide valuable techniques and practices to aid in the healing process. The healing journey brings us through those long-standing false perceptions that hold us back from experiencing a more fulfilling and meaningful life. It's about healing from dependency, codependency, trauma bonding, and abuse. You don't need to feel trapped anymore. Join me as we explore the path to inner healing and empowerment. This episode is about reactive abuse. This is where we delve into the complex dynamics of reactive abuse and toxic relationships. Reactive abuse occurs when a person subjected to ongoing emotional psychological abuse reacts in a way that may appear aggressive or abusive. We explore how the cycle of reactive abuse perpetuates the toxic dynamic in the relationship and we look at the effects that it has on the individuals involved. So let's look a little more closely at what reactive abuse actually is. We need to understand what this means. So many people get caught up in reactive abuse and don't even realize it. They don't realize that they're being manipulated into reacting so that the abuser can flip the script and turn the whole thing around, pointing to the victim as though the victim is the problem. It's like saying, see, you're the sick one. I told you so. They do things intentionally to push others into a reaction so that they are not the only ones acting in a very negative and unhealthy way. They know that they're doing this. They don't want to do this. They don't want to be seen as doing this. So this is why they push others into this. Reactive abuse is a response that arises from the intense frustration, despair, and powerlessness experienced by the victim in a toxic relationship. It often emerges when all other attempts to be heard or understood or validated have been absolutely exhausted. In the constant chaos of relentless manipulation and psychological torment, even in covert manipulation, the victim's emotions can become a volatile mix of anger, confusion, resentment, and fear. And when I say covert, I mean it can really be covert, like you might not even notice it. 
So no matter how sweet-sounding, candy-coated, or nice voice they use to deliver this psychological manipulation, the results are the same. The receiver of this manipulation feels crazy because the behavior is literally crazy-making. That is the intention. The victim of this psychological abuse has already been trained and conditioned to serve the narcissist or the, I just say narcissist, it really, what we're talking about though is actually anybody along cluster B um, or what we describe as dark triad, any disordered individual that operates from ego. So therefore, when we intuitively and deeply feel the anger of the violation and the manipulation, the conditioning takes over with the shoulds and the rules of how to operate in such an environment. And these rules and this conditioning generally shuts them down from what, from how they really want to act or what they're really feeling, such as things being defined as rude or selfish or, I mean, any number of negative connotations to keep the victim from calling them out. This creates an internal conflict with the cognitive dissonance, meaning going against the wiser self, knowing what you feel deep inside, and then operating from that programming. So in other words, the victim might want to react, but has been so twisted and manipulated with the, the perpetrator's intentional and altered reality distorting their version of the truth so that when they finally do react, it is almost always an overreaction and it feels wrong to have done so. And the cycle continues then with self-blame for going against that programming. And then more importantly, now the narcissist has something to use against them. So we're going to unveil the cycle here to understand the cycle of reactive abuse. It is crucial to recognize the underlying mechanisms at play here. Reactive abuse is a vicious cycle that can be very difficult to break free from. It often starts with a feeling of being unsafe or feeling threatened in some way. And this can be triggered by something as small as a raised voice, an intrusive question, a slight facial expression, such as a raised eyebrow. It can be almost imperceivable. Body language, um, ever so slightly squinting the eyes. The abuser provokes and antagonizes the victim through all kinds of tactics. And those are discussed in other podcasts. But these tactics, such as gaslighting, belittling, demeaning, um, you know, any kind of demeaning behavior, anger, threats, playing the victim. There's so many, but these become learned responses to the victim's nervous system. In other words, the slight tilt of the head by the narcissist becomes recognized as a threat that a negative consequent is about to follow if the victim keeps in the direction of the narcissist's unwanted behavior or the what the narcissist doesn't want, which they don't want to be called out on anything. And so this leaves the victim feeling unsafe. They already know that the slight tilt of the head means punishment to follow. They know this. They've been trained. Again, like Pavlar's dog, that bell rings and they start to salivate. It's been associated. Those associations have been con connected in the same neural network. 
So the slight tilt of the head sets off the fight, flight, or freeze response in the victim sometimes. I mean, it can, if that's what's been associated with, you better watch out. And when we feel unsafe or threatened, our natural reaction is to defend ourselves. That's when the fight, flight, or freeze can get activated. And when we're in that state, we might lash out verbally or physically, or we might withdraw and become passive. But this is where the cycle of reactive abuse begins. When we lash out or withdraw, we're usually met with resistance from the narcissist. And this can take the form of more aggressive behavior, or it might be more subtle like the almost imperceivable shifts in the facial muscles or the body language. But either way, the result is the same. We feel further threatened and unsafe. We then react to this by defending ourselves even more and the cycle continues. And this can go on for a long time and it generally escalates or gets progressively worse over time. And then these attacks chip away at the victim's energy and self-esteem, leaving them emotionally drained and desperate for relief. And when the victim's resources are depleted and the programming has taken over, the protective brain steps in to run the show. Eventually, the victim's emotional energy takes over and there is a harsh reaction, which leaves them in the position of looking like the bad one. The abuser is then able to point the finger at them and say, see, it's you, not me. This is the goal, as they are constantly and continuously discarding any and all negative feelings that they might have and any and all responsibility or wrongdoing. In fact, any responsibility. They, they don't take that. There's no accountability. So let's look at this cycle. First, there's the setup. Something happens that feels like an injustice, a betrayal, or a threat. And then the criticize, blame, shame spiral kicks in. And we start to look for ways to tear the other person down to make them look and feel bad. This is kind of both parties at play here. And then this sets off a cycle of reactivity where we're just trying to survive and protect ourselves. We become wrapped up in our own stories and our own narratives and we forget to listen and see the other person and we become obsessed with being right and we start to attack. And this cycle can be set off by something small like a perceived slight or a difference of opinion. But once it starts, it can spiral quickly out of control and it can be tough to break free from. Most people who aren't ego operant, who aren't toxic, if they find themselves in the cycle of abuse, they, they are able to acknowledge what's happening. I mean, it's not easy, but they'll admit that they were caught up in a destructive pattern and they'll want to make a change. They, they bring this into the consciousness. They're able to do that because their defense mechanism isn't stopping it. It isn't as strong as what's going on in anybody along the cluster B. So they're able to self-correct. Reactive abuse can be and is a defense mechanism. The reactive cycle can happen in almost any relationship, but in a toxic relationship, the victim ultimately learns that there is no way out. Someone along the cluster B personality disorder or the dark, the dark triad will never back down because the problem literally is the ego. It cannot recognize any wrongdoing in the self and, per, 
and perpetually rejects it. it. It's keeping all fault or accountability away from itself. And then so therefore onto the other, meaning the victim. And when the victim reaches their breaking point, they eventually react with over-exaggerated outbursts. Sometimes the outbursts are anger or aggression. Sometimes they, they might look more passive aggressive. This reaction is not an inherent part of their character, not an inherent part of the victim's character, not someone who operates from soul. This is a defense mechanism that is triggered by the prolonged abuse that they've endured from the toxic individual who operates from ego. Reactive abuse is definitely not an excuse for abusive behavior. That is not at all what I'm saying. Please don't misunderstand. This is a desperate attempt to regain a sense of control and self-worth. It is a reaction that occurs after prolonged manipulation. The inner conflict between the soul, which deeply knows that it's being violated or shut down, and then the learned programming, which tries to control the behavior for the purpose of survival, that comes from the protective brain, that becomes so intense that it feels like an internal explosion. It comes out in the form of very undesirable behavior sometimes. Usually, the problem is that it is completely counter-effective. When victims get caught up in this, they blame themselves because they do take accountability and they spin backward with shame and more self-blame. So another spiral, but try to remember what it is rather than what it appears to be. On the surface, it does look like the narcissist's behavior. And this is exactly what they want. They want you to appear sicker than they are so that they no longer have to hold that terrible feeling of being in the wrong. And they want you to be the sick one, not them. So this is because they deeply sense that they are less than. They have this deep feeling or that they have something, some area about themselves that needs repair or self-adjustment, but they can't really face it because they are incapable of introspection and self-correction. It is essential for them to put that outside of themselves and believe that they are in the right the reality is that they are the ones with ill intentions who are all about ego serving and they constantly rely on the use of manipulation. The abuser's manipulation. In the realm of psychological manipulation, anyone along the dark triad has perfected the art of exploiting others for their own gain. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's look at the provocation game. Narcissists are master manipulators who actually derive pleasure from exerting control over others. They are highly skilled at pushing people's buttons, strategically provoking emotional responses. 
because that makes them feel powerful. If they can provoke an emotional response, they feel powerful. By triggering their victims into reactive abuse, narcissists create a diversion from their own toxic behavior, casting themselves as the innocent party and the victims as the aggressor. For instance, let's consider a narcissistic partner who habitually belittles their significant other. Through demeaning comments and gaslighting, they undermine their partner's self-worth and control their emotions. When the victim eventually reacts with frustration or anger or tears or in any way, the narcissist seizes the opportunity to portray themselves as the victim of an emotionally unstable partner, thus deflecting attention from their own tendencies. This is why so many victims feel like they are the problem. Another tactic they do is playing the victim. Reactive abuse not only allows narcissists to shift blame onto their victims, but also serves as a means to garner sympathy and support from others. By meticulously engineering situations that elicit negative reactions, they paint themselves as the aggrieved party deserving of compassion. Consider another scenario. Consider a workplace scenario where a narcissistic colleague uh, purposefully sabotages a team member's work and spreads false rumors about their competence. As tensions rise, the targeted team member may finally lash out in frustration only to find themselves labeled as aggressive or difficult. The narcissist skillfully plays the victim, manipulating coworkers and superiors into perceiving them as the innocent party, thereby bolstering their own reputation while further marginalizing the true victim. This is exploiting them. We're going to talk about exploiting emotional triggers too. Narcissists possess an uncanny ability to identify their victims' emotional vulnerabilities, which they then exploit to incite reactive abuse. They use this knowledge to manipulate their targets into behaving in ways that align with their twisted agenda. For instance, let's look at a narcissistic parent. They might deliberately push their child's buttons because they know what buttons to push intentionally targeting sensitive subjects or insecurities. I know this sounds hideous and almost too bad to even be true, but it's true. This happens. And by doing so, they trigger an emotional response from the child, which the narcissistic parent uses to exert control, guilt, or shame. This reactive abuse provides the narcissistic parent with a false sense of superiority and further cements their hold over their child. And this can happen all through life, not just the children, but the adult children too. The abuser, skilled in manipulation, seizes upon opportunity provided by the victim's reactive abuse. They use the victim's response as further ammunition gaslighting them and reinforcing the narrative that they are the sole cause of the problems in the relationship. This vicious cycle perpetuates the toxic dynamic, making it increasingly difficult for the victim to break.
Let's talk about how to break the cycle, breaking the cycle. Breaking the cycle of reactive abuse requires awareness, also support and courage. It starts with recognizing the dynamics that are at play and understanding that reactive abuse is a consequence of the toxic environment created by the abuser. Recognizing and understanding reactive abuse is crucial for breaking free from the manipulative grip of narcissistic abusers. Victims must remember that their reactive responses are often a result of prolonged mistreatment and they should not shoulder the blame. Seeking support from trusted friends, family, professionals, that can provide you with the necessary validation that you need to regain your, some of your sense of self-worth and it helps to explore healthier ways to address emotions, but sometimes it can be difficult to reach out after having been isolated or convinced that you are the one to blame. It isn't true, you're not. You might begin to believe that and you might be begin to believe that others will want nothing to do with you. But remember, this is all part of the cycle. Awareness and accountability are vital. This is your superpower. This will help you more than you know. You are able to self-reflect. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. This means that you're able to take accountability. Once you've gained some awareness about the situation, then it's time to take that deep dive into accountability. To admit to yourself that maybe you did mess up. Maybe you did overreact. Maybe you got caught up in the trap of manipulation and you reacted in a way that you wish you didn't. So let yourself feel that cringe. That's what you have that they don't have. That cringe of knowing that you did something undesirable. That cringe is your self-correction. That's your self-correction mechanism. It doesn't feel good, but it's helpful. And because you have the strength to be able to feel it, you have the power to self-correct improve and evolve. Therefore, you will be able to break free of this. People along the dark triad are missing this or it is too uncomfortable for them to be able to handle. So this is what they deflect. They reject and they dump on to others. It helps them keep from feeling bad about themselves, but it also helps them from evolving or ever being able to truly connect with others. And once you've admitted your own mistake and have taken accountability, the shame can have a chance to dissipate. The shame is sometimes what, what keeps victims from reaching out to others for help. And if we feel the cringe and the discomfort of our own part in the reactive abuse, that negative energy can then be moved through the body, the nervous system, and it no, it no longer needs to be maintained or kept away from consciousness we release it and we can heal it. The other thing that is super important is establishing boundaries. Setting and enforcing boundaries is also crucial in breaking the cycle of reactive abuse. And I have another episode on breaking boundaries and there's lots of information on boundaries. But by clearly defining what is acceptable and unacceptable behavior, you can begin to reclaim your power and protect your emotional well-being. Setting boundaries can be difficult when shame is in the way. 
and that contributes to the negative programming that carries deep conditioned messages along the line of, I don't have a right to my own space, my own thoughts, my own feelings, time, etc. you name it, or I'm not good enough, or boundaries will cause people to go away. And you know what? Maybe it's true that boundaries might cause others to go away, but only the others that don't like boundaries, which are people who are manipulative. They don't like boundaries. So generally, when they encounter them, they will go find somewhere else. They'll go find somebody else with weaker boundaries that they can manipulate. And this plays into other deeply embedded programming, such as abandonment, which we'll get into more later also. But just know that it is not only healthy to have boundaries, but it's imperative for breaking free of the vicious cycle of not only just reactive abuse, but of the trauma bond in general. Having boundaries in regard to reactive abuse may mean setting up a time and a space barrier before reacting to allow some discomfort and bring into your awareness what is happening, knowing that you don't have to be right. And chances are, with a manipulator, even if you are in the right, they won't be able to acknowledge it, ever. So stop even trying. They might be trying to bait you into a negative reaction just so that they can turn it around and say, see, I told you, you're the crazy one. Boundaries might also look like leaving the room or removing your presence when the manipulation tactics begin. Implementing boundaries could also look like gray rocking or almost ignoring the manipulation without actually ignoring the manipulator so as not to be accused of ignoring or stonewalling. You simply make yourself as boring as possible, long enough for them to get bored of trying to steal your energy. Keep your energy to yourself. Keep your energy for yourself. Communicating boundaries effectively can be challenging as the abuser might resist and escalate their manipulation tactics because they don't like boundaries. And sometimes boundaries are completely unspoken, such as in removing yourself or maintaining your own energy by not reacting. However, consistent and unwavering commitment to personal boundaries is key to fostering positive change. Reactive abuse serves as a potent weapon in the arsenal of narcissistic abusers by skillfully provoking negative reactions from their victims. They manipulate the narrative to their advantage, casting themselves as innocent victims and deflecting attention from their own abusive behavior. Recognizing these manipulative tactics is essential in breaking free from the cycle of abuse and reclaiming your life. Remember, you are not to blame and seeking support is helpful towards healing and reclaiming your power. Thank you for listening to the Inner Source Healing Podcast. It is important to give yourself the self-compassion that you deserve and remember that your feelings matter. If you want more information, or you want to contact me, please visit my website at www.innersource.com.